Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Those things which are rightfully yours. And it, this is a subject where many Christians struggle with a little bit. They, they, they struggle with the concept of reward or the concept of receiving something from God. If I do something, then God will do something good for me. Christians struggle with that concept. It's like giving. Um, very few people, I don't think I've met anyone who's comfortable with the concept of if you give something, then you'll get something back. Not comfortable with that because we all want to be ones who want to give without expectation of receiving anything. You with me here? We, most people are very generous with... <coughs> cool, I, I went up a whole octave there. Most people are very generous in their giving and, and they, they give because they love to give. Giving is a, a, is a wonderful thing and you give out of the generosity of your heart and you don't do it with the expectation of reward. But the problem with that is that if we don't understand that God wants to reward you or what that reward looks like or what it means, then you disempower the whole process of what God is trying to download into your life. That he doesn't want to take from you, he wants to give into you. And then when we give to one another, we're giving to God. Right. So when we give into the house of God, when we give to one another, when we serve one another, when we give of our time, give of our finances, give of our heart, give of our encouragement, when we give all of these things, we give them because we love the kingdom of God, we love the people around us, and we want to create an arena of blessing. We don't really think much about the reward, and we don't do it so that we get a reward. But we must understand that there is a reward, and if you don't understand what that means or why you should receive it, then you entirely miss what it is that God wants to put into your life. Now, I want to speak from, um, we're going to start from Joshua. We'll get on to 2 Corinthians in a minute. But I want to speak from Joshua chapter 17. This is a scripture which God gave me while I was praying in the auditorium here um, during the week. And it's Joshua 17, and we're going to read from verse verse 3, okay? And I'm going to attempt to do some Hebrew names, and I haven't checked on the pronunciations before. Sometimes I check on the pronunciations before before we read them. But we're going to ad-lib tonight, okay? But sellotape. The son of Hepha, the son of Gilead, the son of Micah, the son of Manasseh, had no sons but only daughters. And these are the names of his daughters. Somebody, Noah Hogler. What was that dreadful name? What's your name? Hogler. We call her Hog for short. Yeah. These are the names of his daughters. Yeah, Hogler, Milka, and Tirzah, Terzah. 
Tarzan, and they came near before Eliezer, the priest, before Joshua, the son of Nun, and before the rulers, saying, The Lord commanded Moses to give to us an inheritance among our brothers. Therefore, according to the commandment of the Lord, he gave them an inheritance among the father's brothers. Now, imagine being born into a family line that has incredible history, that has incredible promise, that has great... um, uh, has uh, great potential, great power, but being denied the inheritance of because of the pre- prejudice of who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in the mid-19th century, there was a man who was a... Uh, he was... His father was Lord Viscount Hill in, the, in um, Staffordshire. And... His son, who was the inheritor of that estate, um, fell in love with the maid. Uh, he had, uh, Lord Viscount Hill had a very large estate. Uh, the original Hill uh, was a man called Roland Hill in the, uh, in the uh, 16 times of Henry VIII. Um, and he was so wealthy, he used to lend money to the king. Uh, and he owned um, all of Staffordshire. Uh, a number of other places as well, um, and he, he was a merchant of, of great wealth. And uh, so he and the family line kind of started from, from, that, from that man and, and uh, went on, and very, many noble people came from that, uh, from, that, from that line. But here we have, in the mid-19th century, the inheritor of the estate has fallen in love with the maid. Now, not uncommon, I think, with... Uh, with lords and ladies in those days, or lords, uh, to have a, have a mistress who's a maid, but they didn't really say much about it. The trouble was with, with Lord Viscount Hills, um, that his son was that he was an honourable man, uh, and he decided he'd fallen in love with the maid and decided he was going to marry her. So in marrying her, he um, was disinherited uh, from all his titles, and he just became an ordinary man, uh, with his wife uh, and his two sons. Uh, unfortunately, his wife of lowly birth passed away, uh, leaving just him and his two sons, and it was recommended to him that he marry a lady uh, of title, and if he did so, he would get his inheritance back. And so he did that, he got his inheritance back, but his sons, born of lowly birth, we could no longer have the Hill title. So the oldest sons, two sons, uh, with the surname Hill, never inherited the title of Lord uh, Viscount Hill, etc. And so the, the, the family line continued on another line. And that family is the family that my mother came from. That's my family line. That my family, uh, my mother's name was Hill, and... So, from that family line came this, this um, we, were, we were born of the lowly maid. <laughs> and, and I had a great uncle um, called uh, Uncle Roland, uh, from the original Roland. And uh, he 
figured that he was the one who was due the inheritance. And he, he spent his whole life trying to prove it was. He discovered later that actually he, there wasn't, along the line, he'd missed someone out. And there, was a, there were sons who were older than him or, or more direct in line. And they lived in Canada. And he, I, I was going to get the house back. And uh, um, we went to see the house and the estate. And, and there is a Lord Hill today. He, in fact, he, he was working for David Cameron in the... Uh, uh, for the European uh, Parliament, and um, that's another family line, right? So, the, but there's a disinheritance, and with that disinheritance comes a a sense of injustice. And what it, it did with uh, it did with my uncle, my great uncles, the rest of the family don't give a rip. But <laughs> we're, we're just proud to come from something, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, you look at that, Lord Hill there, I mean, so the rest of the lords, they gambled the money away anyway, so it wasn't like there was anything to inherit, and uh, so, but there's this sense of injustice when you don't get what is rightfully yours, and in the days of Moses, there was a, there was a prejudice that women shouldn't inherit, and God spoke to Moses um, back in, in Numbers. So we're, we're going back before Joshua. Numbers 27 and verse 6. And, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, The daughters of Zelophehad speak what is right. I love this. The daughters of Zelophehad speak what is right. Isn't that amazing? That God is correcting Moses' prejudice. See, what happens in our own world and what happens in our own life is that the thoughts and the intents of the hearts of man causes prejudice, causes a restraint and a restriction around our thinking over ourselves and over one another that stops us from inheriting the things that God wants to download into your life. And so God speaks to Moses and he's saying, the daughters of Zelophehad speak what is right. You shall surely give them a possession of inheritance among their father's brothers and cause the inheritance of their father to pass to them. And we have to understand it's time for the church to re-inherit what God has promised. But that inheritance is often taken away because of a disempowerment a because of people's mindset upon who can and who can't i remember when i was growing up in in church world and i didn't fit the model of who was going to be a pastor I didn't have the right education. I didn't have the right social standing in the world that I grew up in. And so I was passed over, but passed over by men, but not by God. I, I remember as a child going, I want to be a pastor. And so I didn't really think too much about it. But I realized in later years that there were those who appreciated me helping out in church, but they didn't want me standing up in front of church and and because of prejudice prejudice gets in the minds of everyone over all sorts of things and and what it is it's the restraint of what 
someone can do because they think that, well, this person can't and, and surely they can't. But the greatest prejudice we have is that which we place upon ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And the judgment we place upon ourselves of what we're capable of doing, what we should be able to receive and what we can walk in. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. And so, but the, the word of God, as, Moses, as God spoke to Moses, says the daughters of Zelophehad had speak what is right. In other words, it's time for the church to speak what is right. God has given us great things. It's time for me to receive the fullness of what God has spoken. Now look at this in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. It says this. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Let me just go through that again. Giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Now, what you find when you read the word of God is that the same thing is being said in different ways yeah. a lot of the time. The Bible says the same thing, but it says it differently so that we get a three-dimensional perspective of how inheritance works, how the truth works. And what is happening here is that Paul is writing to the church of Colossians and, and he's speaking to them and he's saying that God has delivered us from the prejudice of this world delivered us from the plan of the enemy to keep us in the smallness of our own thinking and conveyed us into a kingdom of God's love which is where we will receive the fullness of the promise that comes from heaven that we are have been qualified now what is qualification qualification is going Jesus I'm a sinner, you're a saviour, I reckon if you save me, I'm good. (laughs) Doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. End of story, qualified. Qualification comes to all people of all birth, race, intellect, capability. Qualification to receive all of the promises of God comes to all. God has qualified, I've been qualified. There are many things that we pursue in life to receive a qualification. I remember when I was a teenager doing my life-saving exams and I remember trying to get those qualifications. I remember once having to, um, it was, I, I, I worked as a lifeguard and I had to do a lot of training in the sea and one of them, you had to dive to a depth, I can't remember how many meters it was, it was, a, it was quite deep, right, but you had to dive to a depth and bring up a rock, well I got to the bottom and there were no rocks <laughs> and it was just sand and, <laughs> and I come up and I've got this sand in my hand, I'm thinking please be in there, please be in there, I'm swimming up these I get up and the, the grains just go away and I go, there was sand, there was no rocks and the bloke is looking at me <laughs> 
I managed to persuade him when I got onto the beach that it was sand down there and no rocks. And he qualified me, and I was... <laughs> I'll take you down there myself. I go and then <laughs> see who needs rescuing. And uh, <laughs> you see, the inheritance that we receive, we receive because we've qualified to receive it. Yeah. Now, if you're qualified to receive it, it makes it legally and rightfully yours. Yeah. And if it's legally yours, but it isn't claimed, where does it go? Right? There's a tweed jacket up the back. <laughs> it's legally someone's, right? <laughs> but it just sits up the back doing nothing. I've tried it on. <laughs> I like tweed jackets. Tried it on. It's a bit too big. It's a bit of an older man jacket as well. And uh, maybe when I... It's one of those jackets, it'd be great to just sit in a chair and have it so you sit and slump a bit and it just sort of sits in. <laughs> so just anyone who looks a bit older, go ask them. You missing a jacket? I did it to Jim earlier in church. <laughs> For those who don't know, Jim is like 82 or something. But he's bigger than me, so I'm going, Jim, is this yours? You see, if it's legally yours... But you don't take it, it goes nowhere. The kingdom of God's love is a kingdom of incredible beauty, incredible wonder. So how how do we get this inheritance? How does it work? 2 Corinthians, James spoke on 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And this is the same verse as Colossians, but it's saying it in a different way. All right? This is the same verse, but it's spoken differently. In verse 16 says this, Nevertheless, 2 Corinthians 3, 16, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, the veil, there was a veil in the, in the temple that separated Anyone who was in the holy place from going to the holy of holies, there was a veil. And it stopped you from seeing the mercy seat. It stopped you from getting to the holy of holies, to to, to the place of God's grace. And it stopped you because the price of man's sin hadn't been dealt with. When Jesus died upon the cross, the veil, the Bible says, was torn in two. Because the price had been paid... For all of mankind's weakness, failure, inadequacy. All of our inadequacy has been dealt with. The veil has been removed. And the veil removed means we have full access to God's mercy. And his mercy flows. So the Bible says, he who turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. 
What that means is there is a veil that exists in our life which separates us from the flow and the line of blessing that God wants to pour upon our lives. There is a veil which isolates us from the line of blessing. How many of you found yourself doing in life just feeling a little futility? Feeling like... Now the Lord is the Spirit. I love this. It goes, you have this, in verse 16, you have this description. Now, when one turns to the Lord, when you turn towards God, and here's the thing, in all of life, when people are looking for things, you turn towards the thing that you're looking for that you might receive it. You turn to the thing. When you need money, you turn towards where money might come from going, I wonder if I get money. When if you need healing, you turn towards the things that you might receive healing from. You look at healing. If you need uh, relationships, you turn towards people, relationships. If there's everything you need, you turn towards the thing that you need in the hope that you might get it. But the Bible says, when you turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. So in other words, if we turn toward Christ... All of these things, for the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, all these things shall be added to you. Turn towards him and he blesses you with all the things that you are looking for. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil is what causes the restraint because it is the reminder of the isolation between man and God. It's us living in our natural just human existence without the presence, the knowledge of God in our life. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed and I will receive by grace the thing that comes from God. Now, we get in verse 17, this incredible small kind of injection, almost a side note. In verse 17, he says, Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You could take that verse out, right? I mean, you shouldn't, but you could. (laughs) You could read, verse 16, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Verse 18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Couldn't you? The verse 17 just sort of sits strangely in there. But it's important to know why it's there. If if it's there, it's kind of like a side note. But why... Is he suddenly talking about the Holy Spirit when he was talking about the veil that separates us from God and suddenly he's gone from there to the Holy Spirit and back again. So he goes, the veil, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Holy Spirit. So he's saying who you've got to turn to. When one turns to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, has been poured out on all flesh that when you call on the name of the Lord, the Holy Spirit has been poured out for all people. He's in all places at all time. He's for all people at all time. He holds nothing back. He's, He's the God of complete abundance and no restraint, right? So the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, There is liberty. There is freedom. Now, freedom is an incredible description. I used to read that as a child and think, I used to wonder, well, 
I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Free. And the, the hippies in the 60s, they would go, I'm free. I'm free to be barking mad. I'm free. What is, what is freedom if you're free? Well, if you were given a million pounds, you would be more free than the man who has nothing. How would you be more free? I haven't got liberty yet. What's inside you? Well, yes and yes, but a million pounds will give you the freedom to have your summer holiday in Hawaii and not think too much about it. The guy who's got nothing will go... Going to Stonehaven. So, <laughs> right, Stonehaven's a great place, all right, it's all right. It, it's, they throw a good party at New Year, right? But <laughs> I reckon Hawaii, it's like you can go, I go, I can go, and I have to go. Got 10 million, you're more free than the man with 1 million, right? Got 100 million. I've got a friend who's just sold his business for 100 million. He's really my friend now. I got. When we were friends together, he, he just drove around his car with a Hoover in the back, offering to clean people's houses. Right. So, and he's gone from that to a businessman to sell it to 100 million. Go, and so I want to be his friend again. Now, anyway. <laughs> And now I know, now I'm watching him and the decisions he's making, he's got freedom to do whatever he needs to do. And he's got incredible ministry. Um, incredible, um, he's got incredible uh, work that he's got. And so, but liberty, I'm just using money because it's not about money. You, you understand me? I'm just using that as an example. So we've got to know that the Spirit of God wants you to inherit something. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Well, if liberty is the empowerment of choice, that's what it's about. The man with 100 million has unlimited choices. He can make any decision he wants without a limitation. Mm -hmm. Now, you might say, oh, I can make any decision too. Yeah, you you can, but you're going to have to work hard to make some of those choices work, right? And there are some things where we just can't do that but the kingdom of God says there is inheritance that you are qualified to receive and then it says where the Lord is he is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord there is liberty and liberty is the power of choice to be able to live in the fulfillment of everything that God's given you to live in and if it's the power of choice it means that you must be fully fully received everything that he wants to give into your life that you can make any choice and do anything that God has called and placed upon your heart. Does that make sense to you? Then he goes, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So what we're saying is, when I turn to the Lord, I turn to the Holy Spirit. I turn to the Holy Spirit who brings a reflection of Christ. But I receive, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. 
I receive the reflection of who Jesus Christ is, his love, his ministry, his compassion, his care, his power. I receive it, and as I look towards him, I reflect it back. You, you can always tell someone who's just been to the med for holiday, right? When they come back, it's those first few days. When, if you've ever been to the med for holiday, you come back and you're going, see my tan, see my tan, see my tan. And you, you, you just want to be there and wear white. <laughs> so that everyone can see you've got a tan like this. I've got a tan. I mean, three days later in Aberdeen, it's gone, right? So, <laughs> but there's a reflection of what, what you've been looking at. Well, when we look to the Lord, there is a reflection. We are changed internally. Your mindset changed. Your values change. Your hearts change. Your giftings change. Your capabilities change. Your your potential changes when you turn to the Lord. People are coming, giving their life to Jesus and still say, I can't do this. And Jesus is going... The tweed jacket at the back is yours. It's unclaimed. I mean, you've received an inheritance. You've got to speak what is right. The daughters of Zahelophad, I think I got that right. I I might have changed it. The daughter. Yeah, that one as well. That that was the other daughters. And they, the Bible says, they spoke what is right. What did they say was right? That inheritance is mine. Not, I can't do this. Not, I can't receive anything. They said, that's mine. Now, what is mine? What's mine is the glory of Lord that should shine upon me. That's mine. I thought that point was better than... (laughs) (laughs) When God shines upon me, that's my inheritance. Now, let, I want you to see this. The Bible. Colossians chapter 3, verse 24. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of the inheritance so we in hebrews in hebrews 11 verse 6 it says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him i need you to understand that there is a reward in the kingdom of heaven and the reward is your full inheritance we received i'm when my parents passed away i received an inheritance had to be divided six ways i've got um, five brothers and sisters and and so I received a portion of my parents' estate as my inheritance. It was, it was legally mine. And there came, it was deposited, it was, it was my reward for being part of that family. It was, it was my reward, it, it was mine. It, it, if I hadn't claimed it, it, it would have been, it just would have sat there. Because my brothers couldn't have claimed it because it wasn't their reward. Are you with me here? See, there's a reward of the kingdom of heaven which sits over your life. If you don't claim it, it just sits there. But the Holy Spirit wants you to understand that 
He is here to download something into your spirit. Now, I said this a few weeks ago, and I need you to understand. See, see, the kingdom of God is this. It, it's greater than what we think. In Ephesians chapter, I'm finished with this. There are a lot of Bible verses, I'm sorry. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. That's a lot, isn't it? Exceedingly abundantly. Above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Now him who is able to do exceedingly, stop right there. Now him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think. So God can do something extraordinarily more than we're capable of thinking or imagining. He can do way more than what we can see he can do according to the power that's in heaven. No. According to the power that's in the Bible. No. There is great power in heaven. There's great power in the Bible. No, according to the power that's in you. According to the power that's working in you. So what is the power that's working in you? The reward of heaven. Now, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus for all generations. You see, when we turn to the Lord, we're turning to the Holy Spirit who reflects upon us the nature of Jesus Christ. I turn to him, this Kevin Upton nature fades away. This Kevin Upton's inadequacies, failures, weaknesses, foibles, just all the silly stuff, failures, fade away. Kevin Upton dreams, Kevin Upton's gifts, capabilities, they become sidelined. Jesus Christ comes in and says, there's a better man here. There's a better man here. I'm going to bring forth the full gift of who you are. For I spoke over you. Great potential. Far greater than what you can imagine or think. What you can do on your own doesn't even compare. You see, the power of God is like light. And the thing with light is that we only see that much of it. But the expanse of it is so vast. See, that's God's power. We can see it. We can imagine or think a little bit. But God can do way more than that. Because he is the light that shines upon us. And his light is vaster than our capability of what we can see. He wants you to be able to inherit his ability to just touch and reach out into people's lives. To declare over people who have been healed. I was speaking to Brian Taylor Sr. He was sharing with me just last week that having prayed over him that he would see people healed. He works at a hospital, right? Which is a great place. And... uh, He's a chef, and he just went to one of his colleagues 
who's, who's had such a really bad back and just went, let me just pray for you. Let me pray for you. The guy doesn't know God. He's not been in church before. Prayed for him. How's your back? Back's great. <laughs> yeah, Jesus healed you. Came back the next day. How's your back? <laughs> no problem. A week later. How's your back? It's great. <laughs> you know why? Because God really does care about your back. And he, he cares about the guy down the road who doesn't know who he is. He cares about his back. And he doesn't ask anything for it. Just showed him his love and healed his back. When we turn to the Lord, all of that reflects back. We start receiving something which is far more powerful. Time to throw away our own little agendas. Turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord, the veil removes that sense of futility, that confusion. I start receiving life from God. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.